You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Of course, we are still locked away, shut down. The NBA is uh, not coming back for, it seems like, a, a fair while. So we are still providing content, well, I am still providing content, podcast videos for you guys to hopefully enjoy and provide some level of of distraction through this uh, COVID-19 scenario we are all having to live through, unfortunately. Michael Bolton, he's living through it as well. Let's get to it. it. Let's get to it indeed. In today's podcast, what I am going to be talking about are fantasy one-hit wonders. So I've looked back over the last... I don't know, it was like, I think 25 years I went back. I actually don't remember now, now that I think about it, how far I went back to look through these... um, uh, through these players, but what I used as a criteria, I think it was 20 years actually, what I used as a criteria on these players to be a considered a one-hit wonder, I'm using per-game rankings, uh, eight category. Now, if they played a really small amount of games, those guys didn't count. Andre Ingram, not counting. Marshawn Brooks's seven-game sample with the Memphis Grizzlies, not counting. The 20 games Greg Oden played, not counting. But I'm looking at guys who played pretty much full seasons or you know, decently full seasons who were top 50 players who then never cracked the top 100 again or never came within 50 ranking spots of their best season. So I've got nine names here to talk about over the last 20 years of guys who had that one massive outlier season, and that is an outlier season. If you're a top 50 and then never top 100 again, or top 50 and never come within 50 spots of that again, which there are two names on that list that that applies to, I think that would be considered a one-hit wonder. So let's talk about these one-hit wonders that we do have here. Um, because again, these are these guys that you get as waiver wire finds and then you might get sucked into them the next season. And of course, that uh, that doesn't necessarily go that well. I think a lot of people would remember D- uh, Darrell Wright, who played for numerous teams across the NBA, started with the Miami Heat, but it was his first season with the Golden State Warriors that things really looked unbelievable. And that was in the 2010-2011 season. That was a couple of years before I started uh, publishing stuff, media, uh, media like uh, podcasts and, and writing articles about fantasy, but I was obviously heavily playing fantasy. He was the 29th ranked player that season after being 180th the year before, and he never cracked the top 100 again. He played all 82 games. He played 38 minutes a night for the Warriors, 16 points, 2.4 triples. He shot 38% from deep. He had 1.5 steals. He shot 79 from the line, which is actually a decrease in his numbers there, but so many things were career-high. The three-pointers, huge. The um, rebounding numbers, the steal numbers, so far better than anything he's ever done. The block numbers, the field goal attempts, the usage, it was all wild from Darrell Wright. Now, what happened to him? Why wasn't he able to maintain this? Well, there are a couple of reasons. This was huge. It was his first season with Golden State, but then the next year, he went back to being uh, the 108th ranked player. Still played 27 minutes a night, but things did change. And what changed is the Warriors got a new coach. Everyone's mate, Mark Jackson, took over in 11-12. 
Wright's minutes went from 38 down to 27. There was defensive concerns. We know that Jackson really did harp on about the defensive stuff, and that was one of Wright's downfalls. But also, the shots just didn't go in at the same rate for Darrell Wright that season. He shot from 38 down to 36% from three. He had some brutal cold stretches. He averaged only 10 points. And because the shots weren't going in, he just wasn't taking the shots. And there was a, a situation during that season where Dwayne Wade, who was his former teammate with Miami, yeah, someone asked him about what Darrell needed to do. Like, just start taking shots because not only were the shots not going in, and it wasn't a massive decrease, but he just stopped taking shots. And that obviously impacted his overall production. And then we also had, at the end of that season, uh, Clay Thompson cutting into those minutes. He had been playing off the bench by 24 minutes that year as a rookie. Brandon Rush joined the team. Nate Robinson came in. And they were all taking minutes away for Darrell Wright, who was the starter at small forward the year, well, in both these seasons. And this was basically the end uh, of Darrell. Now, after this, he went to, he played for Philadelphia for a bit. He got traded there from the Warriors a couple of seasons in Portland, but was ne- never able to get back that level of playing time and usage and shooting. It all sort of fell apart for Darrell after that. He's been playing overseas for quite a while, but that was a wild, wild waiver wire explosion from Wright, who went from 180th to 29th to 108th, and then 139th the following season. Just so many things happened. That coaching change didn't work for him. The arrival of Clay Thompson and Brandon Rush cutting into his minutes with Golden State, that spelled the end. If you took happened to take Darrell Wright with an early pick, you got dicked over really, really hard. Now, I know we're all at home, COVID-19, well, most of us are at home, and the ones that aren't at home, if you're doing an essential job, shout out to you, because it is extremely important during these times. But the more we stay at home, the more more we eat, the bad foods we eat, the more weight we put on. So if you want to keep yourself in shape while you're staying at home, you don't have to join a gym. Well, you can't even join gyms. They're closed. You don't even have to pay a ton for an overpriced fitness equipment. The best way to get in shape is with Echelon. Go to echelonfit.com to discover their EX1 connected fitness bikes that offer a high-quality at-home cycling experience at less than half the price of a Peloton. Echelon makes beautifully engineered products for everyone, busy mums and dads, first responders, elite athletes, whatever your activity level. And with daily live and on-demand studio classes right in your home, you'll never have to step foot in a gym. You'll love Echelon, but if you aren't 100% satisfied, we will give you your money back. Join the hundreds of thousands of men and women who are getting fit with Echelon. Don't pay a ton for Peloton. Buy an Echelon bike today for under $1,000. Go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A to learn about their limited time, free Apple iPad, and the complete details of all this of this exclusive offer. Echelon, it's your time. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. Echelon fit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. Let's go on to the next guy on this list now. It is Marcus Thornton. Now, Marcus Thornton has started his career with the Pelicans and had a little run in that rookie year. In fact, he was pretty strong, 127th ranked player there. Ended up in Sacramento the following season, but it was the 11-12 year that Thornton really came out, and he was the 42nd ranked player in that season. Now, his best season outside of that was his rookie year where he was 127th. In that best season where he was the 42nd uh, ranked player, he played 34 minutes a night, averaged 18 points and over two threes, gave us 1.4 steals, 
87% from the line. And that was, you know, he, he's one of those guys we go, well, look, he's scoring, he's scoring at a high rate, but what the hell else does he do? Then that's always the concern I have when talking about fantasy. Like, what the hell else do they do? Jordan Clarkson, rookie year Jordan Clarkson, the last three months of the season, that is why I always had those concerns about him where he was a top 40 guy for three months when Kobe got injured, I believe it was. You go, what the hell else does he do? And that's sort of what we saw for an entire season here from Thornton. He played 26 minutes in his rookie year, 24 the next year, and then a whopping 34 minutes a game in that 11-12 season, and then never got over 24 minutes again. And everything just fell apart from him uh, for him after that season. That was the lockout season. He got traded from the uh, the Hornets, the New Orleans Hornets, the year before, and this was the only time that he started every game uh, of his career. And he the next the season after that, he went back to the bench. He was playing alongside guys like Tyreek Evans. The year after that, uh, Isaiah Thomas started to, to really start to take over that um, Sacramento team. But his lack of defensive chops, his lack of playmaking. And then what also happened is he did become really reliant on his three ball. And it was okay, his three-point shooting, like 38, 37, 35 in his best season, 37, 35, but he stopped driving to the rim. And he was getting a decent amount of free throw attempts early in his career, but that just fell away. He went from 3.1 free throw attempts per game in this season to 1.8 and then just kept going down and down and down and down. He didn't pass. His assist numbers are laughable. He never got to over two a game. His steal numbers outside of this season never got to over 0.9 per game. He blocked no shots. He was just a high usage chucker uh, who then stopped driving, stopped getting his uh, way to the line where he was a really good free throw shooter as well. And again, that just ch- a change. In, like it was that one weird season where he had that big performance and then uh, things changed in Sacramento and his role uh, did not uh, did not maintain as that starter with Isaiah Thomas getting more of that role in Sacramento. Not that they played the same position, but more of that usage going to Isaiah. And you couldn't have two of those really high usage guys uh, who who struggled defensively to share the court together, especially when you know, Tyreek was uh, one of those guys there with that team as well. Many of you would have forgotten about Marcus Thornton, I believe, uh, especially how, the fact that he did have that one top 50 season. Now, when I did tweet this out the other day, people were asking, or people were replying who they thought some of the one-hit wonders would be, and Larry Sanders was a name that came up relatively regularly, and for good for good reason. Sanders, in the 12-13 season, he was the 48th ranked player. He was never uh, higher than 150th per game again. And in fact, if you go in total ranks, he was 53rd that season, and he never cracked the top 230 in uh, totals in any other season. He had only a six-season NBA career, and there were so many wild things about Sanders. Now, this season, this 12-13 year, he played 71 games. He played 27 minutes. He averaged 10-10. and 10. He averaged 2.8 blocks on 51%. So he's really a big you know, three-category wonder. Huge blocks. Decent rebounds, okay field goal percentage. Not great, not 60, not 65, not 70%, not Brandon Clark level, not DeAndre Jordan level, not Steven Adams level. Okay, 51% for a center, which isn't great. Bad at free throws, 62%, although that was a career high for him. Uh, Assists, Marcus Thornton level, 1.2. Steals, 0.8. Threes, none. Scoring, under 10 points, 27 minutes per game. But that block metric really bumped him up. And if you're foolishly, uh, I'll say foolishly, that sounds a bit rude, a bit insulting, but do not base anything on nine-cat rankings. He was 29th in nine-cat rankings because he never turned the ball over. That's because he never had the ball because he never passed it. It doesn't actually mean anything. I'm not going to go on a rant about turnovers, but it's always more important important, more indicative to look at 8K rankings when you're trying to get an idea. And even that is not entirely accurate anyway, but to get an idea of where players' value is. 
He went from the year before playing only 12 minutes a game uh, uh, for the Bucks, and he was the 252nd ranked player to a huge role in this year where those blocks were really important. And then, of course, the nonsense started to hit the following season. Now, the following season, he still played 25 minutes a game but couldn't crack the top 160. But the block numbers fell off. The efficiency from the field went even worse, down to 47%. He went from 62 from the line down to 47, which was in line with what he did the year before. So he was like this 50% free throw guy then had a weird 62% season and then fell back off again. The scoring and rebounding all fell off from Sanders and, of course, a whole bunch of other stuff. In 2013-14, he suffered a thumb injury, which he said happened during the game, but actually happened during a nightclub brawl. He was cited for animal cruelty in the January of that season as well, and then he also suffered, came back from that thumb injury and suffered a fractured orbital bone, and then at the end of that year was suspended for marijuana use. So a whole bunch of wild shit going on with Sanders there. He did spend a couple more seasons in Milwaukee, but was never able to get back and played... Sorry, he played one more season in Milwaukee. He played 27 games only the following season. 23 games in 13-14. So that one real outlier season. And then was out of the league for a year. Came back and played five games with the Cavs in 16-17 and played three minutes a game and did nothing. And now is not even in the discussion for the NBA. Just a weird, wild, outlier type season from Larry Sanders. One of the biggest definitions of one-hit wonders we have in fantasy. Spencer Hawes, another guy who comes in here. His 13-14 season, he was the 49th ranked player. That was really mid-process Philadelphia 76ers. Let's go through his numbers. 31 minutes a night, a career high. 13 points, a career high. Started bombing from three like crazy. 42% from deep, 1.6 threes a game. Eight rebounds, a career high. Three assists, a career high. 1.2 blocks, not quite a career high, but not far off. 78 from the line, 46 from deep. But a shot-blocking, three-point shooting big man who was rebounding well and scoring well and getting minutes on a really bad team, he was excellent for fantasy, the 49th-ranked player. Never cracked the top 100 again. And in fact, after this season, he never cracked the top 240 again. At the trade deadline, he was traded to the uh, to the Cleveland Cavaliers as they were trying to make a push for the playoffs, and they had just suffered some injuries in their front court as well. So he was getting some decent playing time. It didn't really cause his production to drop off that much joining the Cavs, but after that, things went to shit. Uh, he left the Cavs in the offseason and went to the Clippers, played as a backup, started a stretch of games there when Blake Griffin got injured, but only played 18 minutes a night, 18 minutes a night for Charlotte the next season, 15 minutes a night the next season for the Bucs. And it was really that uh, confluence of events. Hey, you're the only big man on this team who can play with Philadelphia. We're trying to lose. Bomb the shit out of as much as you want. We don't really care. Play your 30 minutes. So from memory, I think I'd started writing about fantasy at this point. I remember going, well, he's going to be an excellent late round pick because who the hell else is going to play these minutes here? There's a great opportunity on a very, very high-paced team. They were a hugely high-paced team that season, the Sixers, and they were bombing threes from everywhere, and Hawes was a massive beneficiary. And then it made sense the next season when he went to the Clippers in the role he was going to be in behind DeAndre Jordan that that value wasn't going to be there. So it wasn't one of those ones where you go, well, I couldn't have seen that 13-14 coming because you could have to a degree. And then you wouldn't have been sucked in the following season because of the situation he found himself in with the Clippers. But traded mid-season during this best ever career year. Prior to that, he'd put up some okay numbers. He had 27 minutes the year before, 112th ranked player, 25 the year before that, 103rd ranked player. Had a couple of other top 150 seasons, but never got into the top 100 outside of this 13-14 season where he was the 49th ranked player. Just big, big numbers from Spencer Hawes. 
Mike James. Not the Mike James that played for Phoenix a couple of seasons ago, but Mike James, who bounced around the league, really started in Miami, went to Detroit, went to Houston, and then he had an absolute breakout in the 05-06 season for the Raptors, where he was the 25th ranked player overall. He never cracked the top 100. He was 107th one year in Detroit. But this season, he played a whopping 37 minutes. He went from a backup in those prior seasons to the Raptors signing him to be their starting point guard, and they gave him a ton of the ball. 20 points, over two threes, shot 44% from three, six assists, 0.9 steals, which is pretty shitty. 84 from the line and 47% from the field. Now, there's so many things that are career highs there from Mike James. He started that year. It was a contract year for him. He played poor defense. His playmaking was pretty bad. And then after that, things just stopped for Mike James. He became more of a ball hog. The playmaking disappeared. And then season after this, he went to Minnesota, played 25 minutes a game. Like He went to Toronto for that one year. Big minutes. They gave the to do whatever you want, Mike. And he did. And then that didn't really pan into anything because I guess teams didn't really fall for whatever foolishness this was that uh, James was putting up. He also saw his uh, shot attempts cut in half pretty much going from Toronto to Minnesota the following season. He was 30 years of age as well for this year in Toronto too. Uh, We saw his assists plummet. The steals fell lower. He didn't hit threes anywhere near the volume. He went from 2.1 threes to under one three a game uh, despite playing. It was only 12 fewer minutes, but that still is a pretty significant fall off in his three-point output. His uh, scoring fell in half as well. He he was 167th the year before that. Now, again, because he did change teams, I think there should have been a level of skepticism heading into that 06-07 season that James would not continue to be a second-round adjacent sort of a player. I think he would have felt okay, but or maybe I'll take him uh, towards the back end of the top 100, around that sort of an area, and not expect that level of a fall-off where he fell 140 spots in the rankings. And then the year after, he went down to the 352nd ranked player and played just 13 minutes a night, an absolute astronomical fall-off from James, whose uh, season rankings are wild. In his first year, 356, then 209th, 107th, 124th, 25th, 167, 352, 203, 414, 308, 259, and 466 for that last season with the Chicago Bulls where he was playing as that third point guard. I don't even know. Was it the year when DJ Augustin was playing backup point guard? I think it was one of the years that Derek Rose was injured. But Mike James, one of the absolute all-time one-hit wonder breakout seasons. The next guy that we take a look at here is Aaron Brooks, of the uh, Houston Rockets back in, back in those days. Now, he is a guy that bounced. He actually played down here in uh, in Australia this season uh, before tearing his Achilles. Played with the same team, Lonzo Ball. Played for the Illawarra Hawks. Now, in his third year in the league, Brooks, the 2009-2010 uh, season, he was the 45th ranked player. He went, and this is while he was with Houston, It was his third season with the Rockets. He went from 25 minutes a night all the way up to 36 minutes a night, played all 82 games, averaged 20 points and 2.6 triples, over five assists, low steal numbers, 43% from the field, 82 from the line, and then things just fell off. He was the most improved player that season, but then the year after, Kyle Lowry arrived, and that was it. Aaron Brooks ended up uh, moving on and uh, and, and going to Phoenix uh, during that season and then ended up just bouncing around the league and having a few little moments. He had some moments in Chicago as well as that backup point guard that always seemed to get some uh, some run, but never really was able to establish himself. Just a really wild breakout season from Brooks where he saw big usage, hit a lot of threes, ran the show, and then Kyle Lowry came to Houston and we saw, uh, we saw Brooks' role uh, diminish, and he ended up in Phoenix that season, and then did it didn't end up come. Well, sorry, no, he didn't. 
Lowry was there, but then they installed Lowry as the uh, as the starter starter over him and uh, and played him more of those minutes versus what we saw from Brooks in that 9-10 season. Because Lowry was there in Houston and played only 24 minutes in 9-10 and then took over the starting role the next year where he played 34 minutes and Brooks was pushed into a smaller role playing just the 22 minutes the following season, averaging 11 points with four assists and shooting under 30% from three. Uh, an undersized point guard at just six feet tall. That was his one season of being a full-time big-minute starter. He never got back over, after that year, back over 23 minutes a game, and he did that with the Bulls in that 14-15 season where he played 23 minutes a night. So he had some moments, he had some flash, but as a full-time starter, that was it for Brooks, and we never really saw him uh, do anything close to that again. Digging back a little bit later into the history books, Matt Harpering, who is now an announcer uh, for the Utah Jazz in the 2002-2003 season, Harpering was the 47th ranked player. Of course, he never cracked the top 100 again. He had a couple of seasons of being back-end fantasy relevant before this one and a couple of seasons after this one, but this was the big story. 47th ranked player, 33 minutes, 18 points, shooting 41% from three, which is a wild outlier. He shot 30% the year before that. Uh, you before, 25 the year before that, and then 24 the year following, 21 the year following. Just a wild shooting season from Harpering. Not, did nothing defensively, didn't pass, but it was just that huge spike in efficiency. He shot 79 from the line. The following year, he would shoot 69. Giggity. So just all these things just didn't really make sense as to why these big improvements came. He played only an additional minute per game from 0102 in Philadelphia versus 0203 with Utah, but scored an extra six points per game, quadrupled his three-point output as well, and improved his field goal percentage by five percentage points. The next season after this, we saw you know, Carl Malone gone, John Stockton retired, and then Harpering hurt his knee. And then the year after that, we saw Carlos Boozer and Mehmet Okur arrive, and Andre Kirilenko came in and took his role. So Harpering had that one season. Then the following year, hurt his knee, played 36 minutes a night still, uh, and played only the 31 games, trying to shoulder that load without Malone and Stockton. And that was part of the reason why his efficiency dropped way off, especially the three-point shooting. And then Boozer, Okur, Kirilenko came in and took his role, and then that was basically the end of Matt Harpering, who had that one real sort of outlier season. And I reckon now that I wasn't playing fantasy at this point. But I think in that 03-04 season, with him being a top 50 guy the year before that, Stockton and Malone going, you would have thought, shit, he's going to be able to do this and do more. Um, and he played an additional four minutes per game. And then, but he got hurt, but that still didn't impact the how bad the per game production was on a comparative basis versus where it was the year before that. He also saw his blocks cut in half, big steal reductions, uh, but those uh, efficiency drops were very, very, very significant, and the three point shooting drops for Matt Harpering. The last two guys, a little bit different to the first seven we talked about because they are guys who have had top fifty se- sorry, top 100 seasons but never able to get within 50 spots of their best year. And the first one of those guys I'm talking about is Larry Hughes. In the 0405 season, Hughes was the 11th ranked player in fantasy. Now, the year before that, he was 61st, so that is a 50-spot gap. The year after that, he was 83rd. But that is a big, big drop-off to have one season in top 50 and then never come 50 spots closer to that. In that 0405 season with the Wizards, Hughes averaged 39 minutes a game and 22 points. He uh, almost five assists per game and a whopping 2.9 steals. That is why, along with that increase in scoring, 
and those big assists, why he was able to be the 11th best player. The following season, he signed with the Cavs to become you know, the, the teammate that LeBron James needed to push into you know, the next level of his career. And of course, when you play with LeBron, you're not getting that level of usage. You're not getting that level of assist opportunities. Um, the steals, that's got nothing to do with LeBron, but that just went back to his normal level. He went 1.6, 1.3, 1.5 steals then 2.9, and then 1.5, 1.3, 1.4. It is always very, very prudent of you in fantasy basketball to look at a guy who has an outlier block season or an outlier steal season and go, shit, that won't happen, especially if it's at high twos uh, in steals. We saw it with Victor Oladipo. You see it all the time. They inflate rankings so much that even if you go from 2.9 steals to two steals, a very high number. It's a 30-spot tumble in rankings, most likely. And that happened with Hughes here. He went from 11th to 83rd, uh, dropping seven points per game, but also seeing 2.9 steals go to 1.5 steals. That is a common factor, and it's something you should always look at. It doesn't help you when you play with LeBron, that usage falls and the... the um, Assist opportunities also for, which is exactly what happened to Husey here. And the last guy that I'm going to talk about is a player similarly uh, who did have some top 100 or one other top 100 season, and that is James Posey. In the 03-04 season, he was the 41st ranked player. Now, he did have a year in 01-02 for the Nuggets where he was 92nd, but that was his only other top 100 player that was 51 spots away from his best ever year. Now, for the Grizzlies here, he played 30 minutes a night. He averaged 14 points, a career high, 1.4 triples, a career high. He had 1.7 steals, also a career high. He shot 48%, a career high by an astonishing margin. This is a bloke whose first four seasons gave you 43, 41, 38, and 41% from the field. Pushed it all the way to 48, and then went back to 36, 40, 43, 42, 41, 37, 34. Like just an absolute outlier season in terms of shooting. He was always a good three-point shooter, but in Memphis that one year as he signed across from the Nuggets as a restricted free agent, Everything came together. He had the shooting season of his life. He played that big role as their starting shooting guard. And then the following season, he shifted positions. Uh, He moved to small forward. His minutes fell by a couple, but the shooting just fell off. He went from 39% from three to 31%. The minutes fell by those couple of minutes, but he also suffered multiple injuries in that season. And that was really it for Posey for being a fantasy relevant player. He had that one real outlier, huge shooting numbers, big role, and then it all fell apart. He only spent two years in Memphis, went to Miami, won a championship with them in 06 then ended in Boston and went to uh, New Orleans and then uh, ended his final season with the Pacers, but never able to recapture that level of shooting that he had in that season. Uh, Three-point shooting, sure, but the two-point combination as well, never able to get back to that level, and that makes him my final one-hit wonder. Was there anyone here that you think I left out? I, I could have missed players. It's hard to go back through you know, 20 plus years of history to try and find all those guys. If there's anyone I've left out, let me know on Twitter or drop it down in the comments below. And make sure you are subscribing, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on YouTube. And now after you finish this show, tell your smart device to play the latest episode of Locked On NBA. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. <laughs>